1208. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, an abbreviated show. This is one of these frustrating days. I, I've got more than three hours of really good material. We've got a Brewers game coming up. The pregame coverage is at 1235. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620, during the course of the afternoon, I'll be sharing a number of stories that we'll talk about in great detail tomorrow. Eric Bilstead, before you leave, yes, sir. It, it, is the, it is the single dumbest news headline I have seen in a long time. Michael Cohen doesn't want pardon from Trump. According to his attorney, Michael Cohen says he doesn't want a pardon from President Trump. All right, here's my comment. Ask him that in three months when he's standing in the chow line at the federal prison waiting to eat tapioca pudding with a uh, plastic spoon. Ask him, you know, if he wants a pardon from President Trump then. I mean, it's where do these people say these stupid things? I mean, well, the, the fact that they he was asked about it confused me. Are they suggesting that the president would actually be considering pardoning Michael Cohen? Is that some leverage ploy to get him to keep quiet? Is well, that maybe. The thought? Okay. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think that's the possibility. One right. of the things that it, one of the things that was just mind boggling to me was, was last weekend when the jury is out in the Paul Manafort case. You know, you have President Trump who kind of gratuitously talks about what a shame it is that Paul Manafort being prosecuted and what a great guy he is. Paul Manafort's a sleaze. Paul Manafort, I mean, look, take the politics out of it. This is a guy who cheated the government out of millions of dollars in, in taxes. I mean, and he, it was a sophisticated scheme involving, you know, false statements and creating dummy corporations and all. I mean, again, I, I don't care Republican, Democrat. Paul Manafort is somebody that deserves to be behind bars. And yet you have the president like gratuitously saying, oh, he's a great guy. You know, I, I think it's a it's a shame. This is a tragedy for the country that you're prosecuting this guy for tax fraud. My God. I mean, where is this coming from? And I wonder if, if that's a signal that there might be a pardon yeah. in order. So um, let, let me make sense. Just we only have a couple minutes in today's show. We're going to be talking to Cecilia Gore um, from the Brewers Community Foundation about our hitting for the cycle in a couple minutes. But let, let me try to make some sense. And I was I, I was given the opportunity to be on Wisconsin's afternoon news yesterday with John McCure and with Jane Matinair this morning on Wisconsin's morning news to try to break this down. And we'll open up the phone lines tomorrow and, ex- and describe all sorts of different variations. The Paul Manafort prosecution, to me, doesn't impact on the president, other than it, it raises some of these questions about, you know, why, why, why are you hiring as your campaign manager some guy who's clearly got this type of baggage? The Michael Cohn thing is much, much different. And it was interesting. I was trying to think back for the third time in my life. You have presidents of the United States who are in trouble for completely and totally unnecessary conduct. Let, let me break this down. Richard Nixon and Watergate. 1972, Richard Nixon was running against George McGovern for re-election. Richard Nixon was going to crush George McGovern. George McGovern had no chance of winning. And yet the Nixon White House goes into this idea, let's break into the Democratic National Committee and let's get interview in the, in the Watergate Hotel and let's try to get stuff. Let's bug them. Why anybody would do that? Complete, not a, put aside the idea that it's illegal. Why anybody would, would do that is just beyond me, completely and totally unnecessary. Let's flash forward to the Clinton administration. All right, all right, Bill Clinton was a rogue. Bill Clinton was a rambler. Bill Clinton cheated on his wife whenever he got the opportunity. Well, okay, Bill Clinton could have cheated on his wife with all sorts of people. Why he chooses to cheat on his wife with an intern in the Oval Office. 
I mean, is it arrogance? Oh, who knows? But I mean, it's just completely, and then lie about it, completely and totally unnecessary, which brings us to the Michael Cohen situation. All right, President Trump, before he became president, he cultivated this idea that he was a billionaire playboy. Does it come as a secret to anyone, anywhere, that Donald Trump, when he was Donald Trump, the developer, had a number of women many of whom, of course, outside the bounds of wedlock. All right, is there anybody who would have not voted for Donald Trump, who voted for him, who would have, oh, my gosh, he, he had affairs? Of course not. Completely and totally unnecessary. So then you have this situation where in the waning days of the campaign, you have a couple of these women, and again, you know, when President Trump listens to that little voice in his head, I just, if you think there's one regret this man has, it has to be whatever happened with this porn actress, this Stormy Daniels, back in 2006 or 2007 or whenever. But all right, so the waning days of the campaign. All right, there's this question. Gee, you know, she wants to tell her story. So then you, you, if you believe Michael Cohen, you engage in this sort of convoluted scheme to pay her what is called hush money. And by the way, as I keep emphasizing, there's nothing wrong. It's not illegal to pay somebody money to not disclose something. That that happens, admittedly, in different contexts, but it happens all the time. You know, here's a non-disclosure agreement. We're going to give you money to, and then, you know, you don't talk about it. The reason this is a problem is that it is against the law to make political campaign contributions um, and, and not report them. So there's all sorts of reasons. For example, I can have Governor Walker over for dinner. I can have a dinner party, right? And there's no problem. I mean, I can buy steaks and we can enjoy ourselves. And I don't have to report that as a contribution. If I host a fundraiser for him, though, where I invite all sorts of guests over and the purpose is to raise money, well, I can do that, but then I have to report it. It's a campaign contribution, the cost of the evening. All right, now, sometimes it gets a little bit dicey. What about of a dual-purpose thing? It's not a fundraiser. I invite Governor Walker over. I introduce him to people, and then maybe subsequently, you know, those people get solicited for campaign contributions. Well, that's a tougher call, all right? So in the Trump situation, there's all sorts of reasons, presumably, why he wouldn't want these women coming forward. Doesn't want to embarrass his wife. Doesn't want to embarrass his family. But if the principal reason was she's getting paid off because we'd want to we don't want her to affect the campaign well then that payoff money probably has to be reported and that's what Michael Cohen was convicted of doing yesterday making the payoffs and then not disclosing it but again it's a what's so frustrating to me is it is completely and totally unnecessary and yet it ended up happening where does this ultimately lead the Justice Department says a sitting president can't be indicted, and so I don't think that's going to happen. Does it potentially lead to the I-word impeachment if Democrats take control of Congress next year? You bet. All right. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. A lot of stuff coming up before the end of today's show. Let me take a quick break. It's 1216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Our latest WTMJ Cares project is partnering with our friends at the Brewers Community Foundation for the Hitting for the Cycle event. Tomorrow is the last day to register. This is a very, very cool event. And we're now joined by Cecilia Gore from the Brewers Community Foundation. Cecilia, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon. How are you doing? I am very well. First of all, um, I, I, I hope people realize how much good work you guys do um, in the community, all the different projects you have, and how much through the brewers you end up giving back to the community. Well, thank you. We are the charitable arm of Milwaukee Brewers Baseball Club, and we have the good fortune of supporting nearly 200 nonprofits annually. We focus on health, education, recreation, and basic needs. And it's been wonderful to be able to contribute at the level that we have because of the support of our fans, players, and other supporters. Well, this event coming up, the Hitting for the Cycle event, it's going to, it's, it's this Saturday. Um, let's talk a little bit about this. How is it going to operate? What's going to happen? Well, it's this Saturday, as you said. It's a 25-mile route that starts and ends at Miller Park. Each person that participates receives a club-level ticket to a Brewers versus Pirates game that evening. We're going to have a wonderful tailgate party after the bike ride, and all the proceeds will support Brewers City Foundation, Urban Ecology, Dream Bikes, and UWM's Life Impact Program. So it's 25 miles. Even even kind of a casual bike rider can do this. We're not talking about a marathon. This is going to be fun. It's not a race. It's just to go out and, and enjoy Enjoy the area and raise money for a good cause, right? Yep, and I can say that I hadn't been on a bike in a year. And last year I jumped on my bike, put on my little helmet, and I rode the 25-mile route without any problem. It's a flat route, and it was just a lot of fun. Now, I know a number of people have already signed up and registered, but there's still time. Tomorrow is the cutoff for people who might say, you know, that sounds like it's a lot of fun and the weather's supposed to be pretty nice. How do they get involved if they haven't already? Well, you can go right online to brewers.com slash benefit bike or bike ride, and you'll go right to the registration. Um, it's $50, and we ask that you raise $50, so it's a total of $100 to participate. But, again, it's well worth it. You'll have a ticket to a game, the, a great tailgate party, and uh, wonderful food. And I think people that come out will have a ball. You know, it's interesting. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've talked to a number of representatives from some of the beneficiaries of this, and I, I, I was particularly struck. I, I talked to a lady from the UW-Milwaukee's Life Impact Program, which is designed to help disadvantaged people stay in school, you know, whether they got young kids or whatever, so they can stay in school. You know, I think all of us would agree that education is one of the keys. What a worthwhile charity, and they're one of the people that benefit from this program. They do. It's an amazing program. I actually had the pleasure of being on the front end of designing that Life Impact program years ago, and it supports low-income student parents, and they have access to scholarships, an emergency fund, a life coach, but it really does help facilitate them successfully graduating and then moving on to careers and successful, family-sustaining involvement in our community. So it's, it's a great program. So once more, then, it's Brewers Hitting for the Cycle. You can check it out online. What time does the bike ride start, Cecilia? Bike ride starts at, <laughs> got me, noon, I believe. Noon, okay, right around there. But it's all, 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 all that. Let me, 
I'm sorry, it starts at one thirty. One thirty. All that's and then there's the tailgate party afterwards and then there there's the game. Sounds like it's gonna be an absolutely wonderful afternoon. Tomorrow is the deadline to register, so we want to encourage everybody to do that and I know it's gonna be a lot of fun and Cecilia, I know from everybody here at WTMJ, we are so thrilled to have the opportunity to help publicize this great event and Give you guys all the credit for this wonderful thing and all the money and did you raise and what you do for the community. And you all have been amazing partners. Every time I've gotten in the car, I've heard a little clip about it, and I've just been thrilled to um, be involved with your efforts and really appreciate your supporting this event. Absolutely. Cecilia Gore from Brewers Community Foundation, thanks a lot. Have fun on Saturday. That sounds like a great time. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So you, you have, uh, again, you have till tomorrow to register. And actually, I mean, it's a great cause. It's fun. But it's a pretty darn good deal, too. When you think you're getting club-level tickets to the game, I'm, that's not the way to necessarily look at it. But you get the tailgate party. You get club-level tickets to the game. And it's 50 bucks to register. And they ask you to raise an extra $50 for riding. Um, sign up. It's great. It's the Hitting for the Cycle event. 1223. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 this afternoon we're sharing some like thoughts on some of the different breaking news stories, including Michael Cohn, what that means for the president. We will talk about it more tomorrow because we've got an early Bucks game, uh, Bucks, Brewers game coming up. The new Marquette University Law School poll has just come out, and I've got the first couple numbers. Let me share them with you because they are extremely fascinating to me. This is the first poll that has come out after the challengers for the incumbents in the November election have been settled. Tony Evers and Scott Walker. Now, remember, before the election, there was this Marist poll that said that Tony Evers was ahead by 14 points or something stupid like that. And I, I think it actually became kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. People said, oh, let's vote for Evers if, if you wanted to beat Scott Walker. The Marquette University Law School poll is out it is a dead heat. Um, among likely voters, the poll says Evers, 46%, Walker, 46%. And that's without people knowing Tony Evers. Remember, Scott Walker was cautioning, hey, there might be some polls out showing me behind. That That's not really the case. It shows a, a dead heat so far. And what that is to me is that that's kind of the, that's sort of the anti-Walker vote. You know, in Wisconsin, the reality is Scott Walker is somewhat polarizing. He's never going to draw 60% of the vote. I mean, there's 44, 45, 46% of the public that's not going to vote for him. And, and that's what I think that you're showing. But in the Evers Walker race, the new Marquette University Law School poll is showing a dead heat, 46 to 46. Here is the perhaps, and then, if you go out, that's among likely voters. If you go out to registered voters, Walker is supported by 46, Evers by 44. But you, I, I look at likely voters. That's what you care about. The more surprising number, and I do think this is a surprise, is that Baldwin Vukmir, the Marquette University Law School poll, says 49% of likely voters support Tammy Baldwin, 47% support Leah Vukmir. That is a statistical dead heat. So coming out of the primary election, before there's any been any been any real significant scrutiny of Tammy Baldwin, because Tammy Baldwin's pretty much had the field to herself right now. All the Republican fire has been trained at each other. Right now, the race, a statistical dead heat. 
to the extent you believe these polls. And I always do that as a cautionary note. I mean, you know, polling is tough nowadays. Pollsters get it wrong a lot. But this number suggesting, you know, you, I mean, Leah Vukmir, if you believe this, statistical dead heat right now, before she's even really started the campaign against Tammy Baldwin, the Baldwin forces have to be looking at this number. And, and actually, there's got to be somewhat of a pucker factor. That's just the reality, because I think they thought it was going to show Tammy Baldwin way ahead. Bottom line is you have, if you believe these poll numbers, two extremely competitive races. Evers, Walker, they, they say it's um, you know a dead heat. Um, Baldwin maintaining a two-point lead. But that's, um, that's again, that's within the margin of error. And I'm sure the Leah Vukmir campaign is going to be incredibly cheered by these numbers. Because, like I say, there hasn't been any sort of scrutiny at all, really, of Tammy Baldwin. I mean, for the better part of the last several months, you had Leah Vukmir, who was running against Kevin Nicholson, and the two of them were taking shots at each other. One of the things that this also tells me is that despite the fact that you had a contentious Republican primary, um, Republican voters are coming home. And despite the fact that you had the negative ads that were being run against Leah Vukmir by the Nicholson campaign or by interest groups in his favor and vice versa, it, it really did not stick. So bottom line of all this is it's going to make for an extremely interesting race between now and November. None of these numbers, of course, take into account the developments over the last 24 hours with President Trump to the extent that's going to have an impact. But those are the two top-line numbers from the Marquette University Law School poll. We will talk about this in great detail tomorrow as well. I am out of time. Hopefully the Brewers can win two out of three in the Cincinnati Reds. Stay tuned. That is coming up right now, though, 1230. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Eric Bilstad. Milwaukee County Board Supervisor Marcelia Nicholson is...